We present Peter Cook and Marjorie Westbury in Paul Temple and the Marger Mystery. Episode 4, Bill Fletcher's Story. Steve, oh. darling, are you hurt? No, no, I don't think so. You sure? No, I'm all right. Uh, I, I seem to be all in one piece anyway. Goodness. Temple, Bramsey, what happened? Oh. Bring some brandy, Charlie. Yeah, but what happened? Bring the brandy. Okie doke. Now, sit down, darling. Oh, Paul, just look at the dressing no, room. No, no, never mind the dressing room. Sit down, Steve. Oh, gosh. Well, <laughs> things do happen to the Temple, yeah. don't they? Never a dull moment. No. Now, tell me exactly what happened. Well, I took the parcel into the dressing room and started to undo it there. Mm. And I heard you shouting and went to the bedroom. I got as far as the door and the thing exploded. Thank goodness you shouted, Paul. Yes. But why did you shout? A, a woman telephoned. She warned me about the parcel. What woman? She said her name was Margot, but I'm pretty sure it was Mrs. Fletcher. Mrs. Fletcher? Hmm. Well, whoever it was, thank goodness she did telephone. Yes. Let's go downstairs, darling. We'll clear this mess up later. But, Paul, I can't for the life of me think why anyone at Daphne Drake should do a thing like that. After all, they'd be the first to be questioned. Yes. Let's think. Back a bit, Steve. It was Linda Kelburn who sent us to Daphne Drake's in the first place because she said that Julia bought most of her clothes there. Yes, that's right. But surely you don't think that Linda had anything to do with tonight? I wouldn't be too sure. Well... After all, what was she doing with Larry Cross, Dr. Mencari's so-called secretary? Mm -hmm. And why did she make two telephone calls to us and then flatly deny that she made them? No, there's something very odd about Mrs. Kelvin, Steve. Hmm. If I remember rightly, you said you met Linda when I was in America. That's right. Twice. Twice? Yes, I met her at Harridge's on the Saturday morning. That was the day after you'd left. Mm -hmm. We had coffee together. And about uh, three weeks later, she phoned and said that she wanted to see you. And you said I was in the States. That's right. Well, a few days later, I met her again. And naturally, I mentioned the phone call. And you know what happened. She said she hadn't made it. Yes. Steve, the first time you met her in Harridge's, what did you talk about? Oh, old times, Fleet Street, the usual gossip. She said she'd read a book of yours and didn't think it was very good. Oh, charming. Well, it turned out you hadn't written it, so I was delighted. <laughs> so am I. But nothing particular happened on that occasion. I mean, nothing unusual. No, Nothing. Oh, she asked me to post a letter for her. Post a letter? Yes, I happened to mention that I was going up to the fourth floor to buy some stamps. And she said she had a letter she'd forgotten to post, and would I post it for her? Who was the letter to? <laughs> I didn't look. Uh, did he have a threepenny stamp? I don't know. Paul, what are you thinking about? Um, what's that, Sim? I said, what are you thinking about? I was just thinking I'd have another brandy, darling. But who did you see, Ray? Was it the proprietor? 
I think she's the manageress, Sir Graham. They called her Miss Elsie. That's the woman who attended to Steve? Yes, that's right. Apparently, they were going to deliver the parcel themselves, and then about four o'clock, a young woman called and said she'd been asked by Mrs. Temple to collect the dress. Well, naturally, they thought the woman was bona fide, so... So they handed it over? Yes. Then, of course, the girl obviously switched parcels. Well, it sounds feasible, I must admit. Did you get a description of this girl? Well, pretty vague. You know... I don't think we'll get anywhere with this investigation until we find the motive. And I don't mean the motive for what happened last night, but the motive for the murder. Well, surely the most likely lead is the fact that Julia Kelburn was a drug addict. Yes. I suppose you've consulted the narcotics people. Oh, yes, they've been briefed, but they haven't come up with anything. Not yet, at any rate. What about this doctor, Benkare? I saw her yesterday. She seems to be genuine. She's been practicing in town for the last ten years... I didn't get much information out of her about Julia Kelburn. She was very cagey. Did you meet her secretary, Larry Cross? Yes, I did. He doesn't look a bit like my idea of a doctor's secretary. Nor anyone else's. We saw him last night, by the way, when we were returning from the hide-and-seek. He was with Mrs. Kelburn. With Linda Kelburn? Mm. They were in a sports car. Cross was driving. Incidentally... Steve thinks that Cross was the man who spoke to her at London Airport. You know, the phony BOAC official. What, she recognized him? Hmm. But don't do anything. Not yet, Rain. Steve may be mistaken. Of... Excuse me, sir. Mr. Kelborn to see you. Oh, yes. Show him in, Sergeant. Yes, sir. Did you send for Kelborn, Sir Graham? Yes, I did. I think it's only fair we tell him about this new development. You mean the drugs? Yes. He's a right to know, and in any case, he may be able to help us. Mr. Kelborn, sir. Oh, come in, Mr. Kelvin. My name is Forbes. I think you've met Superintendent Rain and Mr. Temple. Yes, I have. Please sit down. I'd rather stand, if you don't mind. I didn't expect to find you here, Temple. No, I had an appointment with Sir Graham. I'm just about to leave. Oh, there's no reason for you to leave, so far as I'm concerned. What is it you want, Sir Graham? Certain information has reached us concerning your daughter. We thought it only fair that... that you should be made aware of it. What information? What are you referring to? I'm afraid it's been established, Mr. Kelburn, that your daughter took drugs. She was a drug addict. Oh. You don't seem very surprised. No. No, I'm not. You knew? Yes. How long have you known, sir? About two or three days. I, I think perhaps I will sit down, Sir Graham, after all. Oh, yes, yes, of course. That's why I tried to stop your investigations, Temple. I thought if you found out about Julia taking drugs, then the press would get onto it and, well, the whole unsavory business would be revived again. Who told you your daughter was a drug addict, sir? I do wish you wouldn't use that phrase, Superintendent. No one told me. I, I just sensed it. Just sensed it? Yes. Mr. Gilman, part of the time, Julia mixed with people of her own set, but at other times with quite a different crowd, the arty, crafty type, people on the fringe of the underworld. Nonsense. It isn't nonsense. Your daughter took drugs. Therefore, she got them somewhere. Now, respectable friends wouldn't peddle the stuff, so it's my guess... No one's interested in your guesses, Temple. On the contrary. I'll make a guess that'll interest you, interest you very much. What do you mean? I don't believe you just sensed that your daughter took drugs. My guess is someone wrote you a letter about Julia and told you that she was a drug addict. Am I right? Yes. Who wrote the letter? A girl. A very old friend of Julia's. Yes. Fiona came to the house quite often. She was a nice girl, highly respectable. She intensely disliked Julia's more rackety friends. She was always trying to persuade Julia to live a more useful life and, well, to settle down. 
After the murder, Fiona wrote me a letter, Temple, saying that I'd made a mistake in asking you to investigate the case. Why? Well, she said you were bound to discover that Julia had taken drugs and the inevitable consequence would be weeks of unsavory publicity. Who is this girl, Fiona? What's her surname, Mr. Kelvin? I'm sorry. I'm not prepared to divulge that. But you must divulge it. We've got to question the girl. No one's questioning her. Whatever happens, I'm not having Fiona subjected to police examination. The girl wrote me the letter simply out of kindness. Mr. Kelvin, I appreciate your point of view, but you've got to tell us who this girl is. We're investigating a murder case. I'm sorry, Sir Graham. I made up my mind about this. I suppose you know, sir, that it's an offence to withhold information from the police. Yes, I know. But I'm still going to withhold it, Superintendent. But what happened when Kelvin refused to tell them who wrote the letter? Nothing, darling. What could Sir Graham do? Graham got rather pompous, of course, but he didn't get him anywhere. But surely you'll have to tell them who this Fiona person is sooner or later. Perhaps she is a very nice girl, but she still may be able to help the police. Mm, I agree, but I doubt very much whether Kelvin will change his mind, in his present mood at any rate. What's in the envelope, Paul? Hmm? Oh, some photographs. They were taken for me yesterday and delivered to the club. Photographs of what? Oh, Mike Langdon. Yes. Not bad either, considering they were taken in the street without his knowing. I suppose you're going to show them to Fred Harcourt at the Red Heart. Yes, I want to know whether Langdon really was the man who called for Judah Kelvin that morning. Well, I think he was. I've got a sort of intuition about <laughs> Mr. Langdon. Will you get that intuition of yours to work on Mrs. Fletcher? Tell me how she fits into the picture. I wish I could. I just can't make head or tail of Mrs. Fletcher. But if it was her on the phone last night, I'm more than grateful to oh, her. Oh, it was Mrs. Fletcher, all right, I'm sure. Are you going to try and say a while we're in Weston? Yes, I am. For one thing, I want to ask her who... Oh, turn right here, Steve. Oh, is this the way to Weston? No, it isn't. I... I've got a call to make first. You'll see a modern block of flats at the top of the hill, Monte Carlo Mansions. Oh. I want you to stop there. Who on earth lives at Monte Carlo Mansions? Well, who do you think? Mr. Tony Wyman, of course. Good morning. Oh, oh it's you. Well, what's the big idea waking me up this hour of the morning? It's nearly 12 o'clock, Wyman. All right, it's nearly 12 o'clock, so what? I want to talk to you. May I come in? Well, ain't very convenient, but come in if you want to. Yeah, I want to. Ah, what's all this about? Thinking to ask me the same questions all over again, are you? I'm a busy man, Mr. Temple. Mm, you look busy, especially in those pyjamas. In fact, it's a very busy little flat. Look, uh, look, you're trying to be funny. Why didn't you tell me about Julia? What do you mean? Why didn't you tell me she took drugs? Took, took drugs? Yes, and don't tell me you didn't know, because I shan't believe you. I, I didn't. I, I didn't. Honest, I didn't. That's not what Fiona told me. Fiona? Why do you mean Fiona Scott? Who else? But why should Fiona Scott tell you that I... 
Oh, blimey, I only saw the girl once. Julia took me down to Brighton to see her one Sunday. And a stuck-up little bird she was, too. Hardly spoke a dozen words to me. I don't believe that she told you that. Look. Look, are you giving me the runaround? Trying to pin something on me? No, strange that may seem. I'm not trying to pin anything on anyone. Goodbye, Tony. You've been most helpful. What do you mean, most helpful? What I say, most helpful. Don't trouble to see me out. Well, how was the boy genius? He was slightly temperamental. But he told me what I wanted to know. Good. Where now, Westerton? Yes, but uh, stop at the Fletcher's garage first. Fiona what? What did you say? I said Fiona what? <laughs> Fiona Scott. Oh. She lives at Brighton. So you knew what I was up to. <laughs> Don't be silly. <laughs> There's the garage. Do you want me to drive in or pull up here? No, I should drive in, darling. We need some petrol. Dr. Benkari over there with Larry Cross. Oh, yes. You better not drive in, Steve. Pull up here. Stay in the car. I don't want Cross to know you've recognized him. Yes, all right. I shall tell Bill Fletcher I'm having trouble with the car, so don't be surprised if we come back and take a look at it. Good afternoon. I'm having trouble with my car. I wonder if uh, you could... Within a moment, sir. Thank you. Good afternoon, Mr. Temple. Oh, hello, Doctor. What are you doing in this part of the world? I'm on my way to the coast, and the wretched car's gone all temperamental. Uh, is this chap any good? Yes, I think he's a good mechanic. We had a friend of yours down here yesterday, Temple. Superintendent Rain. Yes, I believe. Asked a lot of silly questions. He seems to think there's a connection between the Ted Angus murder and the Kelvin affair. Can't imagine why. Well, perhaps you haven't got sufficient imagination, Mr. Cross. What do you mean? Do you think there's a connection, Mr. Temple? Yes, I do. Well, tell us. We're always keen to learn. You should have asked the superintendent that question. Oh, we did, but unfortunately he didn't enlighten us. Nineteen and four, Mr. Doctor, please. Charge it to my account, will you? Oh, and Bill, ask your mother to telephone me when she gets back. Yes, I'll do that. Goodbye, Temple. Goodbye. Goodbye, Doctor. Goodbye, Mr. Temple. I expect we shall meet again sometime. Having trouble with your car, Mr. Temple? Uh, what? Oh, um, no. No, I wanted to talk to you. Talk to me? What about? About your mother. Okay. Well, let's go in the office. Is your mother away? Uh, yes, she's up in town seeing my Aunt Gladys. Dr. Benkari asked you to get your mother to phone her. Are they close friends? Well, I suppose you could say that. Mother used to work up at her place, and when we moved down here, the doctor became one of our best customers. Do you like the doctor? She's been very good to mother. That wasn't what I asked you. I'd sooner keep my likes and dislikes to myself, Mr. Temple. <laughs> Wise man. It's just that your mother did me a very great favor, and I'd like to repay her. My mother did you a favor. Hmm. An attempt was made on my life and on my wife's, and your mother phoned and tipped me off. Otherwise, I might not be here today. 
This is news to me. Are you sure it was my mother who telephoned you? I'm pretty sure. Well, mother wouldn't expect any money, you know, even if she did do you a favor. No, no, I wasn't thinking of that. I had a feeling she was in some kind of trouble, and it occurred to me that I might be able to help her in some way. I have a certain amount of influence, you know, and... Yes, I know, Mr. Temple, but how did you know my mother was in trouble? Bill, why don't you tell me about it? I'll give you my word I'll treat the whole thing in confidence. Well, it's like this, Mr. Temple. When I was a lad, we, we used to live at Little Western, about two miles away. Dad died when I was 16, and Mother went out to work. It wasn't much money, but I got a job in the garage at Little Western. And when I was 19, we came to live here. Mother got this job with Dr. Benkari, and she managed to fix me up at Perrymount Engineering, you know, helping to repair tractors and things. Mm -hmm. Go on. Well, we went on steadily enough, and... Then Mother started going to the doctor's afternoons as well as mornings, sometimes evenings as well. Then, after about two years, she came home one night and said she'd finished at the doctor's and was buying this garage, which had just come onto the market. She got it cheap enough, too, on account of putting down the ready. Do you think your mother saved enough money to buy it? No. She couldn't have saved a quarter of it. I asked her where the rest of it came from, but she'd never let on. Said she'd managed to raise a loan and... It was her business. I see. But in spite of everything, Mr. Temple, Mother isn't happy. I'm sure she isn't. Don't ask me why, but she just isn't. You said she's in London at the moment. Yeah. Yes, she's, she's always popping up to town these days to see her sister. But that's my Aunt Gladys. They've never been as friendly. <laughs> in the old days, Mother used to say they only met at weddings and funerals. You sound a bit suspicious of your aunt. Oh, no, it isn't that. Well, but... have you any reason for suspecting that your mother doesn't see her when she goes up to London? No. No, but... Well, after one of these trips, I, I saw a theatre programme sticking out of her handbag. It was from the Regency Theatre at Brighton. Well, she could have gone to Brighton. It's not very far from London. Perhaps she took your aunt there. Why didn't she tell me about it? One time she used to tell me everything. Of course, there may be a very simple explanation for all this. I don't know whether it's occurred to you, Bill. Oh, what's that? Your mother might have fallen in love with someone. Oh, oh no, it's not that, Mr. Temple. How do you know? Well, she'd have told me if it was anything like that. She's friendly with lots of chaps around here, you know. We've had a laugh over them. But she knows I wouldn't mind her marrying again. She had a rough time with my dad, and I've often told her she's entitled to a second chance if she meets the right man. I see well, if she isn't seeing your aunt, she's obviously seeing someone on these trips of hers. Yeah. And you've no idea who it is? No, I haven't. All I know is that after every trip, she comes home looking more worried than ever. Has your mother received any strange telephone calls lately or visitors? Yes, or... yes, she has. There was one chap. He came to the house late one night, about two months ago. Can you tell me anything about him? Well, mother and he had a row. She thought I was asleep in bed, but when I heard voices, I went to the top of the stairs. They were standing in the hall, arguing with each other. I'd never seen the man before, but I think he was an American. American? Yes. Did you see him? Clearly, I mean. Yes. Then you'd recognize him again? I think so. Yes, I'm sure I would. Then take a look at these photographs. Yes. Yes, that's him. That's the chap, all right. You're sure? I'm positive. But how on earth do you get these photographs? Oh, don't worry about the photographs, Bill. Just tell me what happened. Well, there was a row, a, a first-class one. And the funny thing is, so far as I could make out, it was all over a blinking coat. Over a coat? Yeah. Mother had a coat over her arm, and she kept saying... That's a coat. 
I don't want anything more to do with it. I don't think you realize what you're doing. Oh, yes, I do. I know what I'm doing all right. Somebody's got to take this to Margaret. Well, it's not going to be me. Now, don't be so darn awkward. It's got to be you. Let Julia take it for once. You know perfectly well Julia can't take it. Bracken isn't safe for Julia. In any case, she refuses to have anything to do with it. And she isn't the only one. I just don't understand this change of attitude. You've always done as you were told in the past. Yes, well, the past is the past. Let other people do the dirty work for a change. But why? The setup's just the same. Things haven't changed. You simply meet Margot in the usual place and hand over the coat. There's no risk attached to it and plenty of dough. I tell you, I'm not doing it. Now, clear off. I don't want you to wake the boy up. There'll be trouble. I suppose you realize that. All right, there'll be trouble. If Ben Carey gets to know about this... Tell her, duck. Tell her. Go ahead, tell her. Oh, you must be nuts. You know Ben Carey. You know what'll happen if she thinks you're trying to break away. You can say two words to Dr. Benkari. Just two words. Edgar Northampton. Edgar Northampton? That's right. Well, who the heck's Edgar Northampton? <laughs> Never you mind. But if Benkari gets awkward, mention that name. She'll understand if you don't. Now, take the coat. I don't want it. I hope you know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing. And then what happened? Well, the man left, and I went back to bed. And I don't mind telling you, I lay awake for two or three hours trying to figure things out. And I'm no clearer about it now than I was then. Did you tell your mother what you'd heard? No, I never mentioned it. You're quite sure you heard the name Margot mentioned? Yep. And Julia? Yes. Did it occur to you that they were talking about Julia Kelvin? Julia Kelvin? What, the, the girl that was murdered? Yes. No, I, I never thought of that. She was a patient of Dr. Benkari, so it's possible that your mother knew her. Yes, I suppose. Mr. Mr. Temple, you, you don't think my mother had anything to do with the murder? I don't think your mother committed the murder, Bill, if that's what you mean. But it's my guess she knows who did. Oh, no. If my mother's got into trouble, Mr. Temple, it, it's because of me. She always wanted me to have a good start in life to... I have a carriage of my own, and even when I was a kid... Don't worry, Bill, don't worry. We'll sort this out. Now, tell me, I want to get this straight. You heard the man say to your mother, you know Ben Carey, you know what will happen if she thinks you're trying to break away. Yes. And your mother replied... She said, you can say two words to Dr. Ben Carey, just two words. Edgar Northampton. But don't ask me what she meant, Mr. Temple, because I haven't a clue. I don't know anyone called Northampton. Never heard the name before. You sure? I'm positive. Now, listen, try not to worry too much about this, Bill, and keep your eyes and ears open. If you see anything or hear anything which you think might be of interest to me... Well, I thought you'd walked out of my life. <laughs> Sorry, darling. I got caught up. Did you see Mrs. Fletcher? No, she's away. Where? I don't know. What's young Fletcher like? Oh, he's an innocent, hard-working young chap, but I'm afraid his mother's kept him in the dark about quite a lot of things. That's what's worrying him at the moment. Did he tell you anything about Dr. Benkari? Yes, and he also told me something about Mike Langdon. Langdon? Hmm. Langdon was down here a little while ago. He tried to persuade Mrs. Fletcher to take a coat to someone in Brighton. Someone called Margot. Margot? Hmm. 
But oddly enough, that doesn't interest me as much as the Brighton angle. Why? Remember, Tony Wyman told me that he met Julia Kelburn's friend, Fiona, at Brighton. Oh, yes. You think Margot and this Fiona Scott might be one and the same person? I don't know. It's possible, I suppose. We'll skip the red heart, darling, and go down to Brighton. Yes. All right, Paul. Have you any idea how long we'll stay in Brighton? Oh, probably two or three days. But we haven't anything to this, Paul. What are we going to do? We'll stop in the next town and telephone Charlie. He can bring some things down to us on the next train. Oh, yes, that's a good idea. Uh, have you got any money on you, Steve? <laughs> About 30 shillings. Oh, I've only got two or three pounds. We shall need more than that. Hmm. What's the next town? I think it's, um, Canterhurst. Well, if we see a bank pull up... Then you can go into a box and phone Charlie while I'm trying to cash a check. All right. Where shall I tell Charlie we're staying? Uh, what's that hotel we stayed at before on the front? Uh, the palace, wasn't it? Ah, uh-huh, that's it. Tell him we're at the palace. Good afternoon, sir. Oh, good afternoon. I, I have an account at your Shaftesbury Avenue branch and I want to cash a check. I see, sir. Can I have your name, please? Temple. Paul Temple. Oh. Uh, how much did you want, Mr. Temple? I've made the check out for 50 pounds. I see. Well, uh, would you mind waiting while I have a word with the manager, sir? No, not at all. Good afternoon, Mr. Temple. Good afternoon. Would you care to come into my office for a moment? Yes, certainly. Do sit down. Uh, I'm sorry if this is inconvenient, but my wife and I have not been... Not at all, not at all, Mr. Temple. It's what we're here for. I'm delighted to meet you. Thank you. My daughter will be very thrilled when she hears about this. She yeah. enjoyed your last book enormously. Never stop talking about it. Oh, you're very kind. Well, how do you like this, Mr. Temple? In five? Uh, yes, thank you. That would do admirably. If you would be kind enough to sign this slip. Mm, of course. You rang, sir? Oh, yes, Wilson. Here's Mr. Temple's check. He wants 50 pounds in fives. And see if you can find some new notes. Very good, Mr. Northampton. Well, I hope we shall have the pleasure of seeing you again in Tenterhurst, Mr. Temple. I hope so, too, Mr. Northampton. Yes? Edgar Northampton. That's right, Mr. Temple. That was the fourth episode of the Francis Durbridge serial, Paul Temple and the Margot Mystery, with Peter Cook as Paul Temple, Marjorie Westbury as Steve, and William Ebel as Bill. Production for the BBC was by Martin C. Webster.